It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are Little Bon Jovi taking us home on a Wednesday. Get ready for a couple hours of jam-packed sports rush this afternoon here on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM. We are your daily fix from 4 to 6. As tonight, though, it's till 5.30 because we're going to break away for Purdue men's basketball as they take on Penn State at Mackey Arena. We're going to have a nice first hour here. Zach Osterman coming on from the Indy Star. We'll talk a little bit of the Hoosiers. Tough night last night in Maryland. Never really got going uh, outside of that first half where they had about a nine-point lead. Um, Maryland was just too good last night on both sides of the floor. And the Terps come away with a big victory there over the Hoosiers. Then Lara Overton will join us from the Colts. She's our resident sideline reporter that you hear on multiple media platforms, but mostly on Sunday afternoons as she covers the Colts sideline. She'll come on and give us a little insight uh, to where we're at with some of the Colts coaching search as they start to really focus in now on their top seven, of which Jeff Saturday is still a probable candidate for the head, head coach's job. Uh, we So we'll find out what's going on with that here in the first hour. But, man, kind of a big day uh, when you talk about sports, not just locally, but nationally. You have Tom Brady coming out this morning via Twitter from Miami on a cloudy morning right down there and announce his retirement. And I have to say... This one is probably going to stick. I don't know about you, Adam, but uh, it just appeared uh, body language, I guess, said a lot with that. But I know that you got to let the dust settle a couple days and who knows what will be within the next three or four months. But I, I just got the feeling this time because of all the happenings in his life off the field, losing Giselle and that divorce and everything that's associated with his family. Uh, I got the, got the feeling his focus right now is on his kids and, and uh, kind of healing a uh, personal off-the-field issue that kind of really plagued him, I think, for this better part of this year. Kind of, you feel like that? Did you get that feeling from that announcement? Yeah, I think it's a combination of everything. I think it's certainly the fact that he is going through these uh, off-the-field situations with his family, and that certainly is a, a heavy factor when it comes to what he wants to do with the rest of his life. 
but I also do think that the football factor is there too. I, I don't mm-hmm. I, I don't think he was happy with how things went this season with the Buccaneers. No. And I don't think that he thinks that he can get it done with another team either at this point now that Yeah, I think yeah. I think I think uh I think you you know, having uh I, I would call it a Tom Brady subpar year in Tampa. Certainly. Um, even though they made it to the playoffs, in his mind it was a subpar year. They fire Brian Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, so they're definitely going to make changes within the organization. He was kind of going to be up for possible, like you said, a trade here or there. But, I, you know, I just think this time he's uh, he's done. And I tell you, he's had a phenomenal career. I mean, nobody can argue about the career that he had. And just think, when he went to Michigan – he wasn't uh, the guy, so to speak. I mean, he had to really work for his opportunity at Michigan that ultimately kind of set him up in the NFL with New England. And even at that. Yeah, even still. Even still. Going to New England, he was still, I would I, I would say, a question mark. But the one thing I think he never lost was his fire and his ability to compete, whether it was on Sunday afternoon or off-season with how he handled himself and what he ate. and I mean, everybody talks about his regiment that he went through. And you can see, because of that, allowed him to do so much in his career. But don't uh, feel, feel sad for Tom. His $375 million broadcasting career may be starting with Fox Sports. And that will that will be the big time to tell because they they wrapped him up for ten years now. Yeah. Speculation is is he may, you know, opt out and not go into that. But hey, you know we'll see what all happens with Tom and maybe we'll get Lara's uh, opinion about that as well when we talk to her coming up here in this first hour. Big night in girls sectional basketball. Man, yeah, last night was, uh, we had a couple interesting games last night. Well, you got Carroll's big win against Northrop. Kind of sure. kind of reversing the end-season game where Northrop really kind of took care of Carroll. Yeah. And then last night, man, oh, man, that was a huge win. Thriller. And they they controlled the game. I think the final score was 59-38. to 38. Yeah, which is a pretty dominating performance. Yeah, I was I was saying thriller because I thought we were going to the other game. Well, yeah, we will in a second. <laughs> but yeah, but no, it was a dominant win. Yeah, that that point differential really kind of sh- caught me off guard a little bit. I think it caught a lot of people off yeah, guard. Right, and I was kind of switching back from my iPad to the IU game to you know all the different things, the radio. I had, sure. I just had. You know, the stream going from 1380, listening to the game down in Columbia City, or uh, Huntington. But uh, we were going to have Coach Parker on today from Homestead. Got his 400th win. He'll, 400th win. He'll never forget that win. Absolutely not. Never. I mean, wow. And Maya Epps, freshman. Huge. Man, ice in her veins, 0.5 seconds up. She goes the line for a three-shot foul, and she hits all three of them. That's a that's a that's that's a called a player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you you know we're going to get coach on tomorrow. We certainly are. To talk a little bit about that game, of course his 400th win and how special that would be. You got to see the celebratory 
uh, locker room situation there via some of the Twitter stuff. That was a pretty neat thing to see and a great accomplishment for Coach Parker uh, over at um, Homestead. Tough one for Columbia City. Those girls had a great year. Talk of the town. And uh, unfortunately, they came up on the short end of the stick against Homestead again. But a great year to them and the Lady Bruins. I know it stings that they lost the game this year, but lost in the you know the first game in the mm-hmm. sectional. But overall, uh, they got themselves back to a little bit better uh, mindset over there at Northrop. Yeah, and, certainly. And you know, there's a lot of tradition there. I mean, and going back to my days when I was there, we had tremendous. Girls basketball won the state one year. Dave Riley had, was the basketball coach. He's kind of a living legend uh, for the Lady Bruins. But it was good to see them have success as well as uh, the season. And then, of course, Carol and uh, Homestead keep marching on. You know, winter stays up now. Yeah. It's uh, uh, winter go home. How about the, the carousel yesterday of NFL head coaches? Yeah. You know, you talked about, I think we kind of laughed back and forth because we talked about the Peyton situation, right? Yes, we broke the news here. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm texting him as as I, as they're breaking the news. I'm texting him. It's like, oh, my gosh, what am I trying to do? <laughs> but anyway, the deal for Sean Payton finally materialized for the Broncos. Yeah. Uh, they're going to give up a first-round uh, pick in 2023, second round in 24. Now, the Broncos are also going to, I mean, the Saints are also giving up, I think, a third rounder uh, for Sean Payton. Yeah, it's quite a haul for a coach. I mean, it's not something that happens every right. day. Right, and they're probably going to open the pocketbook. Yeah, absolutely. I've got to think that Russell Wilson right now is breathing a little bit a sigh of relief, knowing that here's Sean Payton coming, what he did with Drew Brees at New Orleans. Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, I think there's probably some similarity there when you talk of stature and size and height and all that good stuff. And uh, he now he had a horrendous year. Certainly, but, I mean, some of that but, could be drawn up to uh, the head coach not well, knowing what he was doing. Right, right. And Nathaniel Hackett's no longer there. Yeah. He's the offensive coordinator with the Jets. But you got to think now that Russell Wilson will feel maybe more at ease. Now, listen, this is a funny story. And it pertains to me, of course. <laughs> but when I was doing the camp circuit back in my youthful younger days, when I was at Northrop, I went to the Bishop Delahan uh, passing camp down at Franklin College. I went, I was a four-year camper. I actually was a, uh, then became a coach on during the camp season for uh, Coach Delahan, who was a uh, notorious head football coach down in Indianapolis, Dick Delahan. And my coach, my senior year there, was none other than Eastern Illinois' quarterback, Sean Payton. Wow. How about that? Yeah, well, little little bit. Who little was that? Kevin Bacon. That seven <laughs> ways of whatever they call it. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea either. I'm just making that up. But anyway, <laughs> no, I'm not making up the Sean Payton deal. Yeah, but um, it'll be interesting to see who he brings on his staff. Whether he brings some of the guys from New Orleans because New Orleans l- released uh, their running back coach, which is uh, Dan Roshar, who I know Dan for a number of years. He's been with. He was with Peyton for a number of years. Aaron Cromer, offensive line coach. It'll be interesting to see, but you got to feel that one is really going to be interesting. And then how about the D'Amico Ryans coming back home to the Texans, former linebacker. Yeah. 
Now he gets to come back home to the Texans and takes himself off the market. So you can kind of see how things are just kind of funneling down of who's out there and available. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we're going to talk a little bit to, like I said, Lara Overton about this. uh, Because what the Colts have um, set to come in, there's some surprises, I would say, for second interviews and such. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to get her her uh, feel for the things, and she's kind of closely related to that search, being a part of the Colts and everything. So we'll get get into that a little bit later. Boilers take on Penn State tonight. We talked about that earlier. We're going to break away at five thirty to get there for the pregame pregame uh, there at uh, Mackey Arena. Uh, for the radio uh, show there, and of course that's a six thirty tip. And I was talking to you earlier. That was a stra- that's a strange tip on a weekday night. I mean, I'm not quite understanding. I didn't look at the kind of the um, yeah uh, setup or the schedule setup for that. But that was an interesting component of you know why six thirty. But the Boilers have won fourteen of the last fifteen meetings against the Nittany Lions. I do not think they're going to be a problem tonight. You might as well make it 15 out of 16. Oh. And, uh, you know, Fletcher Lawyers keeps on rocking 12 point, 12, having about almost 13 points a game. Uh, the kid has just uh, been a huge boost to the Boilermakers offense. I'm going to say defense as well. He's done more than they thought he was there uh, as what he brought to the table. But he has really uh, played well. Uh, thus far this year, and of course, you know, Eddie, Eddie, his ability, I mean, it's just crazy. The other the other day when they were playing against Michigan State, when Edie was out, that game became competitive, right? Mm-hmm. But when Edie's in the game, there's nobody can defend him. Yeah. We I mean, a, what do you do? Yeah, we talked a lot about Edie yesterday um, and just how it's not just his size and he has a lot of talent and skill for uh, his size at the, around the basket. So, uh Really looking forward to seeing that matchup again tonight. Well, he's strong when he gets the ball. Yeah. And he's perfected that little, you know, jump hook, you know, the cream out dual Jabbar type of of, uh, shot. But he has been, I mean, it's it's really night and day when he's in and out. And that's the only thing for the Boilers that, you know, they've got to make sure that they have that second unit uh, ability. So anyway, that one is coming up tonight we're going to break away from that and how about this the chicago bears have committed to justin fields making him the franchise player uh and they're looking to trade the first round pick now does that mean the colts are going to put together something so they can move up a notch are they going to look to move down? You know, I don't. If they move down, I think that everybody and their brother may just jump off the top of their roofs because that's a typical Colt move. But I got to think they're going to position themselves to get a number one pick at quarterback. Maybe Will Levy, uh, leaves at um, oh, Kentucky. He's getting there. You got uh, yeah, Will Levis. Yeah. Levis. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Uh, Stroud, and then you got Bryce Young. And, you know, there's a few others in there that are pretty talented, but I'd say those are the three that are going to be probably the most um, talked about Mm -hmm. upcoming in the draft and how they do through the combine and such. But big commitment by the Bears, though. Yeah, absolutely. that's, That's a huge commitment by them. 
considering that comes with a pretty heavy price tag. And that's why they're looking to move that first round pick a little bit because of the cap issues and such. But uh, I know you, you, we have the all sack girls basketball team came out, uh, I think, today, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll get into a little bit of that and congratulate to those uh, young ladies. And then today is the official signing day for the NI, I, uh, National Letter Intent Day for a lot of uh, area uh, players, football, and, you know, some ladies in soccer and such. But basically want to say congratulations to them and uh, wherever they may be going and uh, it's a it's a day to celebrate because they've worked hard for those opportunities that they have received. And are you going to give me some headlines or anything that you got on tap? Uh, yeah, I can go real quick for yeah, you with a couple yeah. of headlines. Give for me you. some headlines. I can't miss it. Well, in his post-practice media availability today, Pacers head coach Rick Carlisle said he expects Tyrese Halliburton to be available to play tomorrow against the Lakers. Halliburton has missed the Pacers' past 10 games with an elbow and knee injury in which they have gone 1-9. and nine. So certainly good for all the Pacers fans out there and all the people who have Tyrese Halliburton in fantasy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Stranded in an ice storm in Dallas, the Detroit Pistons have been unable to fly home tonight for tonight's game against the Washington Wizards, which has led to its postponement. Thousands of flights have been grounded in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and there's a possibility that the Pistons won't be allowed to fly back to Michigan until Thursday. Wow. And uh, those are some top headlines there for you real yeah, quick, that's a, that's a pretty bad situation down there in the Texas area. I saw some of that, and it's just continuing. It is also affecting the Pelicans, who were supposed to fly in for a game tomorrow. Right. Um, they are now uh, going to fly in tomorrow. Yeah, it's crazy, and... Uh I know when you get these type of events in those parts of the country, it becomes a major situation because, they're, of course, they're not used to it, right? But we're going to step aside here, get get uh, to our break number one before we bring in Lara Overton from, from the Indianapolis Colts sideline reporter. But we'll be right back here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush. And joining us now on the Masters in Heating and Cooling Hotline is Coach Sideline Reporter, Lara Overton. Lara, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hey, thanks for having me. I'm great, thanks. Yeah, I, uh, it's great that uh, you're able to join us here this afternoon. And I guess we were talking a little bit before we brought you on here. What was your impression this morning of Tom Brady's announcement? <laughs> is it really real That's my <laughs> reaction like oh but for how long 40 days was last time so is this one going to be a little bit longer is this one going to be a little bit shorter someone on twitter i thought had a really great point they said he really should have held this until february the 2nd tomorrow on groundhog day right, right? and just kind of perfectly played everyone um i do think that you know it, it does, does seem like he wanted to be the one to address everyone and break the news himself rather than have, you know, your insiders kind mm-hmm. of battling over Twitter, trying to scoop it first, as he should, rightfully right. so, right? Anyone should be able to go out on his own terms and be able to make that announcement uh, himself. So I think that he was trying to, you know, predicate any of those who jumped in to try to break the news. But, you know, for me, watching that video and just see him get a little choked up, I was like, oh, wow, this is a, a different 
kind of Tom Brady than, than what we have seen. Dare I say, this is almost like a relatable Tom Brady. Like, yeah. uh, if there's ever been any time for him to, like, you know, it, all of his career has been something that none of us can relate to. But in that moment, I did think that you saw more of a, a human side of him. And it was one of those things where, you know, no matter how much you rooted against his Patriots team, especially those here in central Indiana and those who are Colts loyalists, my God, how fortunate were we to watch so many years of those battles between Manning and Brady and oh, yeah. set that standard of excellence and this greatness. And it is a little, it's sad. You do get a bit of nostalgia in thinking that that era of quarterbacks with Peyton, Eli, Tom, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, um, you know, Philip Rivers, yeah. Bond. Like, yeah. he's kind of the last one of that era. I'm going to even kind of, you know, I guess Aaron Rodgers was kind of the one crossover. He was kind of on the tail end of mm -hmm. that generation. He may have been the one to kind of bridge the two. But you are seeing the entirety of the quarterback position changing from how those guys set the, set the bar of quarterback play. Well, now it's a very, it's a multidimensional, multidimensional, very different style of quarterback when you look at the two guys facing off in the Super Bowl and you know Patrick Mahomes is establishing a dynasty for mm -hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs and so it, it is it's kind of we're seeing a turn of the page not just in terms of Tom Brady's career but also in how the quarterback position will be played and that standard that we saw for so long when it was just so good. Yeah, I 100% I agree with you and I agree with you about Tom Brady and it being a little bit more Heartfelt, I would maybe say, because, you know, last year when he made that announcement, his off the field life was still pretty much intact. And now with everything that's transpired between him and Giselle, you can see that pain of trying to, you know, he needs to attend to other things. And I just don't think he has it left in him to go on and compete right at this mm -hmm. at this moment. So but anyway, I think that's the big uh, topic of conversation. You know, I wanted to get some of your takes on some of this with the head, the head coaches search there at, at, mm -hmm. at with the Colts. And I, you know, I think that's the there's two topics right now that are probably hard around Indianapolis: the head coaches search, and are they going to trade up to get a better position to maybe draft a number one quarterback? So those are the two big topics. But how big do you think uh, Peyton Manning? coming out and advocating for Brian Callahan from the Bengals because he played under him out in Denver. There is a fantastic article. I actually have it printed out at my desk. Um, it's from The Athletic, and it really well outlines the work of Brian Callahan. It's from Dan Pompey, who I believe covers the Bengals for The Athletic. It's a great article if you can go and read it. And it outlines all of the different quarterbacks weighing in on Brian Callahan's influence upon them, including Peyton Manning. What we know is that anytime there is a major decision surrounding the Indianapolis Colts and how they are moving forward, Peyton Manning is always considered in those conversations, right? We know that that was a call between Matt Ryan and Peyton Manning mm -hmm. that helped Matt Ryan come to the Colts last offseason. So I'm sure that it's no different this year in that as you're trying to set this franchise on a track of stability and success moving forward, and you know, one, the leadership that it's going to take to do that, and then also having the right coaching staff 
to guide, in particular, what is likely to be a very young offense moving forward. You know, defensively, what we've seen, even from Matt Eberflus to Gus Bradley in that transition, you've had top-tier defensive play. So, Mm -hmm. really, what you're looking to is the progress of this offense moving forward. How would you not consult Peyton Manning moving forward? And I think what Peyton will do, too, is... He's not just going to advocate for his guy. Peyton is such a cerebral guy and a thorough football mm-hmm. mind. He's not just going to tell you that. He's probably going to, as I would imagine, and I've not clearly been involved in these conversations, but he's going to say, hey, here are the questions I would ask if I were interviewing a head coach. These are the questions that you want to get answered. How is he going to approach these situations? How is he doing X, Y, and Z, all of those things? So I would say that Peyton is involved from a consultation standpoint, as he is in a lot of major decisions, not just for being a guy who is who has Brian Callahan's back that he's worked with, but also helping to examine how this franchise is building moving forward, both from its coaching standpoint and from a roster-building standpoint. Well, they're they're in competition because I know the Arizona Cardinals also want to speak with him, and they've got Kyler Murray out there, and I know that there's a press between the Colts and Arizona to kind of get through that interview process. And if you look at it, he's about the only offensive-minded person left that has you know that uh, is going to interview. Um, that has scheduled a second interview. I think he's our, he's coming back. I think they said Wednesday, maybe this week. Is that correct? For Arizona? No, for the Colts. Second. He he. It's been reported that he was going to interview interview here this week. Okay. So I I know that uh, from everything I can tell, uh, Callahan was planning to interview in Indianapolis and also in Arizona at some point this week. The other name, though, on the Indianapolis radar, too, that we're all kind of waiting to see how that's going to unfold is, of course, the consideration of Shane Steichen with Mm -hmm. Philadelphia, being that he's obviously preparing a team for a Super Bowl. Uh, So that is one name that we have heard is still in consideration. So it will be interesting to see how they navigate, you know, his interview process and his evaluation as it appears Callahan, of course, also has that interest from Arizona. Well, Lara, I really appreciate you jumping on here today on the Sports Rush. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see what all happens down the road with the Colts. And we'll I'm sure that you will be able to fill us in on your Twitter account at any time for that breaking news. I absolutely will. Thank you guys so much for having me. Have a great rest of the week, and I look forward to jumping on hopefully here sooner rather than later with an update on that coaching search and hopefully you know we have a hire here pretty soon <laughs> i know i think we all would be well thanks for coming on lara anytime appreciate you yes that's lara overton with the indianapolis colts as their sideline reporter and other colts platforms we're going to step away Coming back, we're going to get Zach Osterman on to talk a little bit of IU basketball here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of the Sports Rush, your daily sports fix from 4 to 6. But today we're off at 5.30 giving way to Purdue basketball here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. IU really struggled last night at Maryland, which is not an uncharacteristic 
uh, thing that other teams other than IU do because that is a tough place to play. Uh, but they lost to the Terps last night, 66-55. to 55. And joining us now on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline is our friend from the Indianapolis Star, Zach Oster- Osterman. Zach, how are you doing? Oh, a little road-weary, but uh, <laughs> I'm the worst for wear. Well, at least you're not in Texas, because that's a mess. <laughs> it's cold and rainy in D.C., but uh, things were still, you know, the power was still on. Last night, the Hoosiers at first looked like, you know, they were, you know, playing pretty decently. But then it just seemed like when Maryland turned up the defensive intensity last night, the Colts really didn't handle I mean, Colts, the Hoosiers really didn't handle it all that well. Yeah, I think, I mean, just kind of some, I think, some parallel conversations to be had about that game. Offensively, Indiana struggling to kind of get its backcourt involved, certainly struggling to make shots, probably a, a slightly sort of sidecar conversation about the way the game was officiated and the extent mm-hmm. Indiana probably needed the free throw line to be part of its formula and couldn't get it last night. Um, but I do think that, that defensively it's been interesting. Um, this is three opponents in a row now we have seen uh, throw some combination, maybe even four, of a press mm-hmm. and a, a zone at Indiana. And it's never been a press that was really designed to turn Indiana over, not the way like Illinois presses, just to slow Indiana down and, and to make Indiana be more deliberate about getting into its offense, to give a, a defense time to sort of set up on Trace Jackson Davis, mm-hmm. build out around Trace Jackson Davis. And obviously, you know, he didn't necessarily play poorly last night. 18 points and 20 rebounds is, is a pretty good game. But it just felt like Indiana never found its rhythm and the zone and Merrill mm-hmm. forcing Indiana to play a little slower and be a little bit more deliberate, a little bit more sort of um, just just a little bit less kind of, I mean, I, Mike Woodson used the word freelancing, um, I think really affected Indiana offensively. And, again, Maryland's not the first team to do it. Minnesota did it. Ohio State tried to do it. Maybe Michigan State even did it a little bit. It feels like something that opponents are going to do a little bit more to Indiana until they can prove that they can kind of play their way around it. And I think it's something that it's going to be interesting to watch Indiana try it. Yeah, well, Michigan did it as well. And the difference there is IU was pretty good from out in three-point land that night. You know, uh, Miller Cop had a, probably his best game of the season. But what I thought was the biggest difference when Maryland was in their zone last night, when they kicked it down to Trace Jackson... Uh, Davis, it looked like the Maryland defense, basically, they collapsed as many as two or three guys around him, you know, that were really coming down and, and, and forcing those bad passes and turnovers, because when you look at it, IU had 12 turnovers last night, and that is probably a big part of why they lost. Yeah, and I think, you know, even even more than the turnovers, I, I think, obviously, I mean, Mike Woodson just talked about it, you know, said we didn't make enough shots, and at a, at a baseline level, that's true. But I think so much of Indiana's offense goes through Trace Jackson Davis. We've talked about not just his points, his rebounds, his blocks, but right. his, his remarkable assist numbers in, in this run that he's been on. The zone really kind of stopped Indiana from using Jackson Davis as a conduit offensively it, Mm-hmm. You know, Maryland's got some longer players, a player like Dante Scott, like the team Hart, obviously, right. in addition to just having genuine athletic bigs. 
that closed off some passing lanes. You know, that, that maybe took away some of the skip passes that Indiana really wanted. A couple times Indiana got the ball over into the corner. I think Trey Galloway, Trey Galloway made a corner three in the second half. Mm-hmm. But Indiana just kind of never got that part of its game going. And um, that's also certainly one of those things where, you know, Jalen Michafino is, is a little bit better on the night, then maybe that helps. And I think he's been under the weather the last few days. So you're not going to fault a freshman for maybe struggling on the road when he's been sick. But I think it was maybe the first time in a while that I've watched Indiana and just thought they could really use Xavier Johnson back. And and not that they wouldn't have been better for his inclusion at points before this one, but this was kind of the moment when you saw them and you just thought, if he's on the floor, there's maybe a, a, a different sort of energy to this team, but also just a player that can do some things differently against the zone. Because if you're not hitting threes, and they're not letting Trace Jackson Davis not just get his offensive game going, but his passing game going, mm-hmm. then the next thing to do is essentially attack, uh, attack from the other, side of the, um, the other side of the floor off the dribble. And mm-hmm. um, Indiana doesn't have two players better at that than Jalen Shafino, who struggled, and Xavier Johnson, who did not play. And that's where I just kind of come back yeah. to, you know, it seems like Xavier Johnson is working back toward uh, full health. Um, and it, you know, last night felt like the sort of game where having him on the floor would have made a difference. Yeah, and I, I and it looked like he's probably close to coming back. I think they showed him shooting some balls yesterday. Uh, you're right about Jalen. You know, he he really struggled last night. One from 14 from the field, and just you know that type of performance. Even though he's a freshman, you know that's a tough performance to overcome. And then renew fouled out. Um, it was just. You know, and I don't want to discount the to, Maryland is one of those places. It's a tough barn to go play in, and and I and yeah. I, and on the road in their barn. That I don't care who's playing Maryland. You know, you're going to be in for a a, a a big battle there. And it's, I mean, listen. First of all, I I, it, I actually think it's it's one of the more fun arenas to, to you know from a neutral perspective to go to. I, I've always said that I thought if if Indiana had had the wherewithal to replace Assembly Hall before arenas became prohibitively expensive, um, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, I think they could have done a lot worse than the Xfinity Center. It seats about a little, a little, I think about 500 seats more than Assembly Hall, so it's similarly sort of mm-hmm. structured, but it's got some luxury boxes and a great student section and all that kind of stuff. And if you were in that building last night, you know, it, it was, I'm not trying to sort of do Maryland down. I think, I think Kevin Willard is, got that program on a good trajectory in his first season. But it did remind me a little bit of, you know, Indiana in seasons where Indiana was kind of firmly on the bubble hosting bigger teams in the conference, you know, ranked teams in games where you looked at it and just said, Indiana's got to have this. You know, the other team can afford to lose this game. They've already got some quality wins. They're probably going to pick up some more. Indiana has to have this game because I don't think Maryland's really got a quality road win on their schedule right in front of me. I know they've done well at home. Right. But I don't think they have kind of that signature road win. Obviously, Indiana already has a couple. So if I, what I said to, to somebody I was talking to um, near the end of the game last night was um, just exchanging DMs with a friend who's an IU fan, and, and we were kind of in agreement. I just said, if the shoe was on the other foot and this was Indiana at Assembly Hall on a Tuesday night, prime time, you know, everybody's teed up. They know it's a big game. It's a ranked opponent. It's a chance at a, a big scout for your NCAA tournament resume. And this is how the game unfolded. We would have credited Indiana for toughing their way through 
a poor shooting performance, didn't turn the ball, got to the pro line to compensate for the, the jump, the jump shots, the field goals they were missing, you know, with, you know, withstood a couple of sort of mini runs in the second half where they could have gotten a little nervous and won the game. And we would have looked at the other team and said, they'll be fine. This is just kind of one of those games that it's tough to win because the team needs it and they're at home and the crowd's on top of you. I think because Indiana was on that five-game win streak and also because you've got Purdue coming up Saturday, I think a lot of Indiana fans were just kind of selfishly and understandably hoping, hey, if we can win this one at Maryland, that's a, another big quality win on the resume, yeah. it's on the road, and it means we are riding high going into the Purdue game. We've got the win streak and all that. Mm-hmm. I think there are things coming out of that game Indiana's got to address. Um, but as, as you said, these are the sorts of games you've got to be allowed to lose. Especially if, and it's worth saying, I don't want to fall too deep into the trap of, oh, think about what would have happened a year ago or two years ago. <laughs> but, you know, in some of those environments in the last couple of years, we've seen Indiana really fold. Yes. Um, you know, just, just go in there and just kind of get overwhelmed. Oh, you know, we're not making shots, and the crowd's on top of us, and it's late, and suddenly one thing snowballs onto another, and it, it's completely out of your grasp. Indiana was in that game despite not playing great. Oh, yeah. Uh, for long stretches, really into basically the last media timeout. Mm-hmm. And you can live with that as long as you learn from it and as long as you turn around with these next two home games, which are pretty big ones for doing Rutgers, and, and take care of it as best you can. Well, you got to look at it from the perspective. I think you're exactly right. Yet They had a five-game win streak. They had been playing pretty darn good basketball at both ends of the floors. They had a tough time last night. I mean, Maryland was juiced. There's no question about it. And, you know, they're a quick ball, uh, ball club. I mean, they're not overly tall, but they're just quick. And they have a little bit more speed on the court. But putting that aside, now you come uh, with Purdue coming into Assembly Hall uh, this Saturday afternoon and uh, kind of give you give us some insights into that one uh, from your perspective that IU is really going to have to overcome to get a get a victory against the Purdue team. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating game, and I, it was always kind of bound to be um, given the trajectory these two teams have been on. I mean, Purdue's has been obvious for a while. Indiana has been a little bit more recent, but the Maryland loss, notwithstanding, they've really kind of recovered their season. Um, you know, I think some of the matchup stuff is obvious. On the one hand, who wins the big man battle and how. I think the how is relevant mm-hmm. when you consider these are two guys that don't foul a lot. One is it's just so physically dominant. Zach Eady, the other one, is kind of, you know, sort of almost, I don't know if this is the right term, but schematically dominant, going back to Trace Jackson Davis' ability to defend the rim, to, to pass the ball, to initiate the break, those kinds of things. You've got Purdue's freshman guards have been so good this season. Yep. Now you face an Indiana team that's going to pressure them really hard, but also an Indiana team. And, and again, I'm not, you know, people like me start sounding like we're, we're sort of, you know, in league for somebody when we say stuff like this. But an Indiana team that, that I think has felt perhaps not always unjustifiably like it's getting a tough whistle with the way that it wants to defend the perimeter in particular. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you talk about last night, for example, you're right. Maryland is, is not a, it's, Maryland's a funny team. They're not a high assist team. And they're not a high turnover team. It's, it's very much about just the individual, you know, the individual capability to create shots. But if you get a couple guys in foul trouble, suddenly they're scared to defend with that pressure and that intensity because they don't want to pick up another one. And then you can get downhill on them. You can get them kind of on skates. You can get them playing on their heels. And then you get some good shots. Purdue maybe can't attack you in quite the same ways, 
but you're going to want to turn up the pressure on those young guards if you're Indiana. How do you manage that? And then it also just comes back to you in the, in the sort of wide lens of Indiana's season. It's, it's a reminder the extent to which these seasons, no matter how good or bad things are, they always feel a little bit like they're on a knife edge when you've got the ambitions that a, a program like Indiana does. Because if Indiana wins this game, that is a huge feather in the cap, obviously. It is a, a, you know, as good of a win as anybody's going to pick up in conference this season other than maybe Rutgers winning at Purdue, obviously. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's another kind of, I don't want to say it, it certainly doesn't steal their NCAA tournament inclusion, but it, 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 it puts them in that conversation of they're safely in, there's nothing to worry about, look at all these quality wins. On the other hand, while obviously a loss from a, just a sort of blind resume perspective is acceptable, a loss would be a rivalry loss produced one, I think, 10 of 11 in the series now. Mm-hmm. And the loss is also suddenly after you won five games in a row, then you go to Maryland and struggle. Then you come home and lose to Purdue. Now you got Rutgers coming out on Tuesday night. You haven't played well against them in a while. You know, suddenly you're staring down the barrel of a three-game losing streak to back up your five-game win streak with four of five on the road on the other side of that. It's just, you know, these seasons, as you know, seasons never really seem to relent. There's never a oh, time, yeah. especially... No play get started where you you feel like oh i can just breathe easy this week or we can breathe easy in this in this particular matchup there's a lot riding on this weekend more so it should be said for indiana than purdue i think at this point with where indiana is with where northwestern is where illinois is and and rutgers and a couple others it's very hard for me to imagine purdue not winning the league outright i'm not saying they're going to ease up and not care this is still a rivalry game and a big Mm -hmm. deal for them but in the same way Maryland needed last night more than Indiana did, Indiana probably needs Saturday more than Purdue does. And so mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see in what should obviously be a really, a really good environment. Four o'clock is probably, from a fan perspective, the ideal time to tip this game off. It'll be fascinating just to see how Indiana handles it. Well, that's for sure. And they're going to play Purdue pretty, you know, back to back pretty quickly because February for them is a short month and they'll have another shot at them at Mackey towards the end of the month. But Zach, we appreciate you stopping in and giving us a, a little bit of a lowdown here of the Hoosiers. And uh, we'll look forward to that game on uh, Saturday against the Boilermakers down at Assembly Hall. And I'm sure you'll be there to cover it. We will be. We All righty, buddy. Yep. Hey, thanks, Zach. We appreciate you coming on. That's Zach Osterman from the Indiana Star. We're going to step aside here real quick. We'll come right back on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back to a Wednesday edition of the Sports Rush. Really good first hour alongside Adam Lundy. I'm the coach, Shannon Griffith. And Adam, I know the boat show's coming up, and I believe you said there's a we have a ticket giveaway for that. Well, we certainly do, Shannon. We are uh, right now giving away a four-pack to the Fort Wayne Boat Show and Sale. That's coming up February 9th through the 12th at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. So if you would like a four-pack of free tickets to that boat show, all you have to do is text SAILING to 46862. Right. Now, I know yesterday... Or the other day, there was a big debate on nautical. Yes. <laughs> Brett, Brett was not a big fan of my keyword, nautical. So today, if you want to win the four-pack to the boat show, we're going to go with sailing. 
All to, right. To 46862. Well, and Mr. Rumpy's on he's on a bus up with the Purdue Vastelhounds basketball team up to the Detroit area where they'll have Oakland University tomorrow night. Yeah. And then turn around on Saturday and have Detroit Mercy. So they're doing a little bit of uh, a double header up in Detroit. So, but yeah, sailing, nautical, I get you. I love it. We're going to give them away. 46862 is the text line. And we'll have that. But great first hour. Thanks to Zach, uh, Zach Osterman and Laura Overton. Lara. Lara. I, knew I said Laura. Yep. I said Laura, didn't I? It happens. Lara. I didn't do it the first hour. <laughs> Dag, I know. I know. I'm I'm old. Give me a break. We'll, we'll, give, you, me, we'll, give, we'll give you a pass me, this time, me and, me and Rumpy are old. Just like he complained <laughs> about nautical and all the other things. <laughs> But uh, we're going to remember now we're going to come back for only about a 30 minute of, of yeah. the sports rush because we're jumping off to uh, the Purdue Boilermakers Penn State basketball game from Mackey Arena. That will come up at 530 here on 1380 The Fan tip at 630. But we're going to have Mr. Ben Boudreaux coming up on the second hour of the sports rush here on 1380 The Fan 100.9 FM.